guys and welcome to another episode of Late to the Party. So today I am here with one of my best friends, Tanya Ramsire, who is a biologist biological scientist took me a while um but I've known her for a very long time and ever since I've known her she has talked to me about the ocean and sea life and whales and I felt like she would be the perfect person to dive deep with on this sea spiracy documentary that just came out so I would like to introduce everybody to Tanya Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. I feel like we have talked about everything ocean and taking care of the planet since before this documentary and probably even before people cared enough to try to take care of the planet. So I felt like you would be the perfect person to actually, you know, give the people some information because I think a lot of people are late to the party, like me included. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here and chat about this. Okay, so we're going to start from the beginning. Um, okay. I gave a little bit of how we met, but do you want to let people know where you're from? You don't have to do address or anything, but just like a general. So I grew up in Virginia. I met Liz at Old Dominion University when we went to college together. ODU. <laughs> <laughs> so from Virginia, um, kind of moved all over the place doing my master's in St. Thomas, and then now I live in uh, Florida Keys, where I work now, and I actually study coral reefs here, so it's a little different than fisheries, which we're going to be talking about shortly, but still ocean-related and still chasing the dream, um, living the dream here in the Florida Keys. It's beautiful. Can't imagine living anywhere else, so it's pretty great. Um, and what did you study in school again? So in undergrad, I studied just biology with a concentration in marine biology, mm-hmm. minor in oceanography, and then my master's was in marine and environmental science. Oh my gosh, I remember you would come into the dorm, and like we all did our fair share of going out, but you would actually, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie, I went to school for communications, so my homework was like not that hard, but you would come home and you would have like real science problems to do, and yeah, a lot of homework. Yeah, that is crazy. Like, you guys are at like nickel beer night or whatever. <laughs> I know. I know. The worst thing I think I had was like a PowerPoint presentation on the history of communication or something. Like nothing in comparison. I think you or Carrie had like an essay to do that you forgot, or like a one page essay or something. And you guys were like crying because you forgot it. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> worry like if I forgot one essay if like I would whip it out so I know I know writing is so hard I think I just as you know I get on tangents so I feel like writing my thoughts on one piece of paper is horrible yeah yeah I remember just being like man if I if that's my biggest worry (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) wait okay so do you feel like what you studied kind of prepared you for what you're doing or do you feel like this is completely different? No, I feel like it did prepare me for it. Okay. Yeah. Pretty much, even my master's, like, that's really specialized, kind of. So mm-hmm. you take classes based on, like, what you're kind of going to be doing in the future. So okay, um, not so much in, like, research right now, but all of that, like, stats and, you know, all these, like, marine conservation classes, they want you to know the history of, like, all the ocean conservation things. Then then you can formulate your opinions and come up with research projects um, 
you know, once you get out of grad school and then that's usually what your job is, depending on where you work, it's right. really different. Would you like to tell the people about coral reefs and what exactly you're doing with your job, I guess, to preserve or help save them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so right now I work at um, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. It's like working for the state of Florida. Um, <clears throat> we call it FWC for short. Um, basically, yeah, it's a state-run organization. Um, we do a lot of research. A lot of that research influences different management for the fisheries and stuff here in Florida. Um, and then we have other like projects that uh, we work on for specific teams. So I work on the coral team. And within that, I work on the coral rescue team. Um, so that's a big project that is basically saving and removing healthy corals from ahead of a disease margin in the ocean. So there was this crazy disease that's coming through. It's called stony coral tissue loss disease or SCTLD for short. Um, and basically we would go out and collect healthy corals before the disease took over pretty much. So like really time sensitive project and we were diving a lot. We had seven cruises um, on a big like live aboard boat. And so we were diving all the oh, time, wow. collecting corals. And then, you know, what do we do with all those corals? They have to go somewhere on land for mm-hmm. a couple of years. So they're spread out across the whole country right now at different um, aquariums and zoos where experts are, like, taking care of them. Um, I think for at least five years is in their contract. So basically they're holding the corals until we can figure out what this disease even is. No one even knows if it's a bacteria, if it's a virus. Like, we don't know what it is, but it, it was killing corals, like, really fast and it killed I think 80 to 90 percent of the populations here in the Florida Keys oh just wow. huge it's a lot yeah it's a lot of corals um and it's slowly like made its way down to the Caribbean now so it's like spreading throughout the world um so that's pretty scary and dangerous and so you know other places are kind of doing their own uh coral rescue similar to ours mm-hmm. so we were kind of the first just because we think that this whole thing I think the whole disease started in like Miami actually so like so, everything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, all the signs like point to Miami. So right. Like, I mean, there's huge like um, shipping channels and stuff there and like all the cruise ship ports and it's a big like industrial area. So it makes sense for something like this to have started there. Um, but yeah, slowly spread to like the rest of the Caribbean. It's in St. Thomas now where I did my master's. So it's like pretty sad to see corals that are just hundreds of years old, like dying because of this weird disease um so anyways that's what I work on it's really fun um really fast-paced project and I'm never bored so it's pretty awesome and for anyone that has no history just really beginner like in corals they're a living breathing is it organism the right word they're an animal they're an animal yeah Yeah. that is crazy yeah they're kind of, they're related to anemones, um, so it almost looks like um, like a jellyfish upside down. Mm-hmm. It's little animals, um stick out on the top, so if you just picture like a jellyfish upside down, mm-hmm. kind of like, but they're attached to the substrate, and they are individual polyps, like form a colony, so you could imagine one colony is one animal, or sorry, one polyp is one animal, you get a hundred polyps, and that makes a coral colony. Oh my god. The whole series of like a, a bunch of animals together working living together um and they secrete like calcium carbonate which is like rock or like fingernail material mm-hmm. so they're like this weird rock animal plant 
hybrid thing. Like they're pretty crazy. Um, and they actually photosynthesize like plants so they can make their own food. It's like they're wild. Oh, they, wow. Yeah. So they're pretty complex organisms and, you know, they're really important for the environment. They produce a lot of oxygen. They sequester carbon. So like they're really important. They're like the rainforest of the sea, basically. Okay. Um, and and for fish and everything like super important see i feel like nobody would know that unless they're studying it or i guess if that's like your interest so that's yeah. fucking fascinating they're pretty weird yeah i mean everyone knows like about fish or something or right you go anywhere you're like cool look at those fish and i don't think people know yeah what coral is right. know, just like it looks like this big rock with it does have a really thin like layer of tissue so could easily be mistaken for a rock <laughs> but they're pretty cool they come in like all different colors and shapes and they're pretty awesome. And so with them, or this disease that's growing and spreading, does that affect sea life at all? Or is it just affecting the corals? Just stony corals. Okay. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah, at least it's not affecting fish or anything. But um, I mean, overall, like with those coral populations gone or decreased, that will eventually affect other animals. So. Okay. And... Ecosystem and a big web, <laughs> everything's combined. <laughs> I know it's one of those things where it's like I forgot who was saying it, but someone said that we have we have only discovered like a small part of the ocean. There's probably so much that's even deeper that humans can't get to, right? Because we can only yeah. like sustain so much pressure. So mm -hmm. there's probably like so much of the ocean that we can't even study or see. And I wonder if it's, like, even bigger than space at times. <laughs> Could be. We don't even know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Okay, so how long, ever since you're growing up, or, like, re not recently, obviously, because you went to school for it, but how long have you known that you've wanted to work in the ocean or, like, with the ocean, you know? Mostly, like, my whole life. I mean, yeah. growing up in Virginia, we went to um, Virginia Beach a lot, and that was awesome. I was just obsessed with, like, anything that had to do with the ocean. Could mm -hmm. be corals, could have been dolphins, fish, like, just the beach in general, like, sand, the waves. Right. Surfing, like, anything I could do to, like, get in or around the ocean, I was obsessed with it. <laughs> and what's something that you wish people knew about the ocean? Like, obviously not, you know, even though now that we've seen with this documentary, it's not really about the straws. But um, something that's not as surface as, like, cleaning up after yourself when you're at the beach. Like, what's a deeper truth that you wish people knew about the ocean? I mean, the, the ocean takes up, what, I forget the percentage, like, 76% of the, the world or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, the whole ocean is most, it's covering most of the planet. Mm -hmm. but, uh, quote, it was something like, um, how strange is it that we call it planet Earth, but it's, like, mostly ocean. <laughs> so, call it planet ocean. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, like, I love that. So true. Like, land is like a lesser percentage of the ocean. So, I mean, yeah, the ocean takes up majority of the whole planet. And, like, we're abusing it and taking it for granted. And it sustains life. It provides life. It provides food. provides jobs. Like, mm -hmm. I don't, it calms people. Even the color blue. Like, think of what that does for people. Like, I don't know. People listen to wave music when they go to sleep. Like, yeah. There's so many things that just connect everyone back to the ocean. I know. And one lady was saying, um, I was watching some show where this lady was saying that she thinks that people are so connected to the ocean. Now, obviously, I'm not like a doctor or anything. So don't take me for or don't take me seriously. But this one lady was saying that 
she thinks that the ocean waves some calm people at times because it reminds humans of being back in the womb because mm-hmm. you're just like sloshing around in water. Yeah, I've heard that. I mean, even when we're in utero, I guess, like we mm-hmm. have gills and then they go away when we're <laughs> fascinating. Fetus. Like it's crazy. Yeah. I was like what? Gills? Like that's wild. That's probably why yeah. some people come out with tails still. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'll take some. That'd be cool. <laughs> right? Can you imagine being like the first grader with a tail, just killing it? <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's true though. Like there's so many things that. Yeah, like, all of nature just connects us to, and I feel like the ocean's just so important, and I feel like I spend most of my day thinking about it and working towards right. protecting it, but not, I know not everyone else does, or that's not on their mind, you know, which is a whole different concept for me to mm-hmm. even wrap my brain around. <laughs> right. You know, people like me who are trying to protect the ocean, it, that is an important, like, way to look at things, you know? Yeah. This has been ingrained in me for my whole life, pretty much, like, what about someone who, I don't know, what what's like their passion, you know, rock climbing or right. shopping, <laughs> the Kardashians. Like, <laughs> everyone has different priorities. So, like, that, it's just something I've had to, like, kind of wrap my brain around as I've gotten older, too. Like, not everyone cares as much as you do, okay? Like, you can't always, like, force things on people and make them care the way you care because it, it'll always be different, so. Right. But... I think in all fairness to your passion, it's something that could potentially keep us on this planet longer and like keep sea life on this planet longer because it's not like you're forcing us to use like under eye cream, right? Like that's (laughs) just going to keep us cute. But you're trying to have everyone understand what they're putting in their bodies, how they're affecting, you know, sea life, how they're affecting the ocean because it we're all tied into it whether people want to admit it or not and I think that's why I wanted to talk about or talk to you about this because let's just go into this documentary um so I've heard about it and obviously there are a bunch of blogs and podcasts and you know people have a bunch of thoughts on it and it's the documentary Seaspiracy which talks about um the help me out it's oh it talks about the fishing industry how Mm -hmm. they're actually killing like dolphins and fish and everything out there while they're trying to just get shrimp and stuff right or tuna yeah yeah Yeah. exactly yeah so yeah it's a big um eye-opening documentary about yeah just commercial fishing issues mostly international um issues Mm -hmm. i think British producer. He's like young. He's 27. Um, I was pretty impressed actually when I heard that. I was like, wow, 27. <laughs> Making a movie already. Potential so, bachelor. <laughs> but I mean, you can see like he's very passionate about all this. And mm-hmm. even the way the documentary starts, it, that hit home for me because like I was saying with the ocean, I was like obsessed with everything. But then start what started me getting interested in my career was like going to SeaWorld and like seeing the dolphins and seeing the whales. I wanted to be a whale trainer mm-hmm. and like you and I, our first heart to heart ever was <laughs> me like crying to you about whaling and yeah. how I want to work at SeaWorld. But then I was torn because I also don't like that whales are kept in captivity. And like, that was my whole struggle in like college, you know? Yeah. As I matured as a scientist, I guess I found <laughs> other important things to actually study. Um, I mean, not that whales aren't important, they are, but um you know I had bigger fish to fry (laughs) literally 
<laughs> so I figured out though that like the whole whale like SeaWorld thing took a lot of like animal psychology classes mm. and I was down for like the psychology part of things so I like the eco- ecology which is like just how everything's connected and ecosystems and things like that so that's kind of why I went that route but Anyway, back to the... <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. And um, so what are your thoughts, like, on the documentary? I, I mean, I know you shared some, but what is something that if we watch this documentary or when people watch this documentary, what are the two things that you feel like they should keep close to heart from this, if anything? Like, in your opinion. Yeah. So I would just say, like, keep an open mind. Um and also just question everything because mm-hmm. this documentary brings up a lot of really hard issues that I think people had no idea about. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I knew about them. I've done like projects on this stuff. It's it's not new information for people in this field, I guess. Mm-hmm. I thought it's still a problem and it's getting worse. But um, yeah, I would just say keep an open mind. Like not everything in that documentary was true, like 100%. I think they could have done a lot more research and fact mm-hmm. certain things. Um, I don't think a lot of it was backed up by science or research, which bothered me a little bit, but it did bring a lot of, like, really important issues to light, which I think is important as well. And just keep in mind, it's it's a movie. It's made to be entertaining, and it's made to, like, make you question things and be like, wow, what? This is crazy. Like, it's not one of your typical boring, like, history documentaries. Right. It's made to, like, make people have a reaction to it, and so like sensationalized I guess is the word I'm looking for um so yeah I would just keep that in mind it's big big topics like thrown in your face and it's meant to cause a reaction so just keep that in mind and then yeah still like just question everything I mean even what they're telling you in, the, in this documentary doesn't mean you have to believe it or doesn't mean it's 100% true just because it's producing good um yeah those are my two big takeaways I guess um that's awesome. And actually, one of my next questions, too, was how long have you known about the dark side of the fishing industry, which you kind of touched on? You mentioned how this wasn't anything new to you. So is it just that or since you've known about it, how worse has it how much worse has it gotten? That's, yeah, that's a hard question. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've known about some of the issues like since middle school, maybe you know, I did some projects on whaling and things like that, but they bring up in the documentary, some pretty gross footage of yeah. stuff like crying, like the whole movie. Yeah. Um, just not even things to see, and especially if you've never heard of this stuff before. You're like, what? I love shrimp, or I love right. spicy tuna rolls, and like you had no idea what happens to your tuna that like lands up as your sushi. Like, hard stuff for people to see. You know, it's similar to those documentaries on chicken and um, like beef farming and stuff. That stuff's not easy to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like watching it, and it, it is easier just to shy away from it and not watch it, but I think it's important, um, and it, it does bring awareness to it, which is, I think, the whole point of this being produced. Um, I forgot what the main question was. Oh, it was just, um, how has it gotten worse since you've known about it? So, yeah, so I think some things have gotten, I mean, obviously with just advancements in technology, like, we're becoming this humans are becoming this crazy powerful species and like fish and other animals that can't keep up you know mm-hmm. they don't have this technology so that's one big disadvantage to nature is like humans have technology and we're going to use it to our advantage mm-hmm. to fish more to like 
make it worth our time and our money to be out there fishing. Um, so I think that's one way it's gotten worse, I guess, for fish population. Um, you know, just even the documentary brings up a lot of social issues. Um, so I think that stuff has gotten worse just because more people on this planet mm-hmm. and we're growing social, you know, problems happen everywhere. Um, they yeah, brought up a lot of things like that, that I, those, some of those are actually new to me. I didn't know too much about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think in some ways it's gotten, it's gotten worse <laughs> that way. Um, but even with, you know, advanced technology comes more research. And so that's one thing I wish the documentary would have pointed out was like how, even in the U S we have been better at commercial fishing and there are enhancements to the nets that like release bycatch and things that you weren't trying to catch. Like, they do modify the nets to help with that. So it's not like every commercial fisherman is just like the evil villain. In the right. Movie. <laughs> I mean, internationally, I'm sure they're not like great people, but like, especially from that, that documentary, you see the, the worst side of them. Yeah. Just um, flipping people overboard. Exactly. So the, <laughs> like, I don't want people to think it's like that either. Cause even at FWC, I work, we work really closely with the commercial fishermen here for like lobster fishing, stone crab, and a lot of that is backed up by science, and we do the research, we do the work to inform the fishermen and, like, create regulations to help manage those populations so that they are sustainable for years to come, where, you know, other countries where there's social issues, the those fisheries are run, like, by the government, you could see in that documentary, they bring that up, um, you know, things that are corrupt like that, I think it's, that's, that's where the issue is, it's not necessarily fishermen's fault you know they're being paid tons of money by the government so why right. would they stop right a lot of deep lying <laughs> social issues there i think that um need to be addressed first but it all stems from everything else and like they even brought up a lot of those um illegal commercial fishing vessels also deal with illegal drugs and trafficking and stuff and so they're just in a bad place in general <laughs> um so I mean, we don't, luckily, I don't think we have to deal with too much of that in the United States, but we do support a lot of the import of international fish, though. Mm. If you share it from Costco or something, and that says it's from Thailand or China, like, you're supporting those international illegal fishers, illegal fishermen, probably. Maybe not always, but those are the ones that are going to have the cheapest fish because they're catching the most, they're the most competitive out there, and I mean, that's a whole other thing. It's like consumerism as a whole thing. Get all into that. Okay, so now if somebody says, all right, Tanya, you know, I want to help, but I also want, like, my steamed shrimp, or I want crab legs, or whatever, what is, what's something that they can do to help? Either, like, ocean conservation, or just eating better for their own body. Like, Mm -hmm. what can we sacrifice or change to help this industry yeah so the documentary tells you straight up just to not eat any more seafood and i was kind of annoyed with that too because that's it's not a practical answer for a lot of people you know i personally don't really eat seafood just because that's that's me you know i I feel bad (laughs) right we'll eat seafood if like i caught it here um you know, catching lobster or spearfishing or something here in the Florida Keys, that's easy. It's accessible. Um, or I support the local commercial fishermen here, catch lobster and fish. Um, you know, it's, it's really a local industry here. So I don't feel so bad about that, but you will not see me at 
in the freezer section, like buying random <laughs> frozen fish. Like, <laughs> oh, if I do, I'm reading the back of the bag. But even that, even that was that was brought up in the documentary too. Like, you can't always trust those labels because mm-hmm. someone someone else out there is is like paying people to put this label on their on their product. Right. So and so that definitely scared me and I was like well that's it for me I'm definitely only eating like local seafood like forever um if any you know I started to even eat less meat that's a whole other topic but (laughs) I eat a lot of like um vegetarian or vegan meals now and it's I felt better like I feel better about helping the environment Mm -hmm. who does want to continue to eat seafood and doesn't want to just quit cold turkey (laughs) um you know I would just suggest like eating less seafood like if you ate fish or shrimp or something three times a week maybe just try once a week and just like slowly like lower your your intake of seafood and then do your research like see where it actually comes from and like look beyond the bag like once you're at the grocery store like take a picture of the label on your bag go home and google it like look it up like next time before you buy it um so once you buy it it's already too late you're already supporting them (laughs) right just yeah keep doing your research like question everything like even if the label says it's dolphin safe we saw in this documentary it might not be dolphin safe so i mean there's like not many regulations out there in the high sea either and so you can't always like trust what these labels are saying um i mean you can trust if it's from like a u.s source usually under much more strict regulations than international things are Mm -hmm. but like aim for things that are from the united states like don't support international fisheries um, if you can buy local, if you live in Florida, so many things you can buy. If you live in Virginia on the coast somewhere, buy like local blue crabs or local oysters or something like support your local fishery because that is what is fueling your state where you live. And that's, that's like the most important thing I think I can think of. It's tough because like if you live in Iowa or somewhere, you can't necessarily go like spearfishing for your dinner, mm-hmm. but a lake, you can go catch bass or something or I don't know what other fish are in like lakes and rivers. Like, just try to support your local seafood industries. It's the same as like beef and chicken. Like, I would rather buy like eggs or something from a neighbor here than buying them at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. They've been from whatever country. Like, why do I need that if they're right here in my state? Like, right. I'd rather support local businesses and shop local, eat local kind of things. So, that's what I would recommend um, for anyone. Like, you definitely don't have to quit eating seafood like all together. I think there are still sustainable ways to do it. Like I mentioned, just yeah, supporting local, eating local and then doing your research really. Like and if there's something you absolutely like cannot live without, like, and I really just want tuna, like spicy tuna roll or something, like just use that as a treat for yourself, you know, just eat that like once a month or something. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to completely never eat sushi again because this movie told you to. Like you can just Use that to like, yeah, just cut yourself back. Just and for, eat it like way less than you normally would. Right. That would help, you know, a lot. If everyone started doing that, that would help. Because um, I don't think it's realistic for everyone just to quit eating meat or quit eating seafood. Like, if everyone just limited their consumption or like lower their consumption, I think that would help immensely. Right. But we just need everyone to start doing that. And it's, I know it's a sacrifice. Like, no one wants to do that. You want to eat your shrimp tempura rolls. And, like, <laughs> and the <laughs> tails. <laughs> I love shrimp. It was like, actually really hard for me to stop eating shrimp. And I I treat myself. That's like, if we're getting sushi, which I, like, never get. 
I'm like, okay, first let me ask if they know where the shrimp came from. Half the time they don't know. Right. You see if there's some local option. Like, okay, where's your tuna from? Is that locally caught? Nope. Do you have lionfish? Because that's actually invasive here in Florida. So by eating lionfish, you're helping the environment because you're eating this fish species that's really bad for the coral reefs. But they have like lionfish sushi. I'm like, yes, hands down, eating that. <laughs> or lobster. You know, you can you can check with your restaurants too before you purchase something. And so I know it feels weird to like ask the waitress, and usually they don't know. They have to go ask their manager. Right. But they go back in the freezer and look at the bag and see where the shrimp are from. But I mean, if, if everyone started questioning and doing that, like we wouldn't have half the problems we do. So right. I think that's why we're in these situations like because this is reminding me of when they came out with I can't remember what documentary it was but it was talking about the beef industry and like how all the meat is like the process for that and people again had to start questioning where is this coming from what's the process are they treated well and I feel like the world's advantage is that humans are kind of sheepish, so we don't really ask questions, we don't do the research, especially yeah. if you like sprinkle, you know, a slice of flammable cheese on there, nobody is gonna <laughs> ask a question because they exactly. like the- It's like packed with sugar, so now you're yep. addicted to it. Yep. It's all a game, like it's crazy. Once you start to like question things like that, you're like, man, like you want to get out of that crazy cycle. And that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, I just don't want to even eat seafood anymore because it is kind of corrupt. And I mean, you can do it right. You know, it just takes a little more work and sacrifice. But I think it's worth it. And so for those who might uh, might be a little confused, when you, you were said earlier, dolphin safe, that means that dolphins weren't captured when they were catching the tuna and or shrimp and or whatever. That's what they claim. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But dolphins are supposed to be, like, harmed, I guess, in the fishing process of mm. tuna. Okay. And do they actually have that, like, on a label? I just feel like, I mean, also, I'm in Arlington, so I don't know how close I am to water. Um, but, like, Trader Joe's, I've never seen that sign on my salmon. <laughs> so Usually it's on tuna, like canned tuna. Oh, okay. Dolphin Safe is on. Um, other brands, like... The MSC, I think it's Marine Stewardship Council or something, mm-hmm. they, I was actually brought up in the documentary because I would always go on their website and look and be like, okay, it doesn't tell you like what's not sustainable. It tells you like, this is your best option. This is your next alternative. And mm-hmm. if you absolutely can't find those two, this is your next alternative or like worst alternative. So there's different like species of shrimp on there. Um, they tell you the certain ways that they were farmed or collected. Um or fished, like, bottom trawling's, like, officially the worst. Like, don't ever, ever <laughs> eat anything that was collected by a bottom trawl. Okay. Um, it goes through, like, all the different methods of fishing, basically, which I know to, like, the normal person, they probably don't really care. They just want to know which one's sustainable, like, which one should I buy? So that website is used to be what I would go to, and then this whole documentary called them out about also, like, faking it. And what? Like, that's who I always relied on to tell me, like, what's sustainable or not. So that's when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start making my own decisions. And I'm not going to buy like salmon anymore, because that's not from Florida. Like, I'm not going to support that if I don't live in Alaska or something where salmon are native. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm buying it from a, 
and like Alaskan fisherman or something and he's mailing it to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going to be frozen. It's going to be shipped from probably another country because it's cheaper. Mm. So that brings up a lot of issues if you're just eating like seafood species that are outside of your region kind of. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, I think Trader Joe's actually, they, Trader Joe's and Aldi, Aldi I think they mm-hmm. have some relationships with different um, seafood providers and things like that. So I think they do tr- aim to like get better products mm-hmm. that are better for the environment. Um, so yeah, I think, yeah, those are probably better than if you bought seafood or something at Walmart. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Remember when we used to get, like, um, ugh, was it Long John Silver's? Or, like, that frozen shrimp scampi? (laughs) filet of fish at McDonald's or something. Oh, my God. That thing's probably, like... I don't even know what kind of fish that is. Yeah. That's definitely lab-made. Um, okay. Now, for two more questions, and then I kind of want to shift the episode a bit because I do want to go into your side business venture since not only does that obviously you know benefit the planet with the photosynthesis and whatnot but just for some people because these are questions that I have and I feel like not quite sure who my audience is yet but I would assume I'm not getting scientists so for your average minds um what is the difference between wild caught and farm raised because that seems to be a debate that I've heard for a couple of years now that are like oh if you buy your fish or especially like your salmon they're like always do wild caught and all this stuff but what is the difference what does that mean yeah so wild caught is basically if it could be like hook and line which most fish is not caught like that unless you're fishing for yourself that's just like a fishing pole and a line at the hook mm-hmm. um, long line which is crazy long fishing line with like hundreds of hooks on it that mm. are just laid out in the ocean. They're baited usually. Fish will swim by and eat that. Other animals also swim by and eat that and they get stuck too. So it's kind of sad. There's like dolphins and sharks on the line. Mm-hmm. And they, pull it they take all the fish they want. They throw everything else that's dead back. Those are kind of harmful because they're out for like a week or something. Mm. Um, and then there's like trawling. So that could also be wild caught, but it's always not always the best option and those are huge nets that are just cast out into the ocean they're like as big as a football field and they just scoop up literally everything some of them drag on the bottom to get shrimp and things that live like in the substrate and they just tear up the whole seafloor they catch turtles they catch sharks dolphins whales whatever's in the net comes up onto the boat so any of those options are wild caught there are some that are better than others um spearfish that would be wild caught you know any time your their hooks are in the ocean like that's wild caught mm-hmm. farming you can have it's like aquaculture pretty much you can have farms in the ocean or they can be up on land a lot of times they're in the ocean they're just these big pens that are out in the sea mm-hmm. it's just a big yeah just a big net basically where all the fish are kept in one small area um and farmed so they'll have usually like young larval fish or something and then they grow them up and then once they're big enough to sell um for people to eat they'll pull them out yuck you're still in the ocean sometimes but it's just a big pen of them it's like if you could think of um like cattle farming yeah just a fish and like sometimes they're up on land in big tanks yeah instead of so 
you know, with issues like that, it's when they're in the ocean, think about so many fish. When you have one, like, beta fish or something, how many times do you have to clean that tank? Yeah. Like, once a week or once a month or something if you want it to look nice. So those fish produce, like, a lot of waste, and all of that just goes back into the ocean. And it's just, like, accumulates right there. And I forget, the documentary touches on that, too, and it's, like, farmed fish are not always better, you know, for the environment. Like, mm-hmm. and a lot of times when things are produced in aquaculture, even shrimp or fish, salmon, they touch on that in the documentary, too. When they're kept in small areas like that, and there's so many of them, um, they – can create like crazy bacteria and like they get diseases and viruses and stuff really easily mm. um, it's not always better it's not always a better option for the fish or for you to consume um so yeah and they tear down kind of mangroves and stuff that are important for the environment to build these fish farms that are yeah just it's like why would you destroy one ecosystem to put in another and like right. <laughs> just so you can farm some fish but people like the idea of farmed fish because it's they they did market it that way as being better than wild caught sometimes. And with different types of seafood, there are, you know, pros and cons to wild and farmed. So you just have to do your research on like what that is. Like farmed shrimp, some places are getting better at having like eco-friendly farmed shrimp. So that could be something you could support if it's also local. I know here in Florida, there's one place that really strives to have um, eco-friendly farmed shrimp and their nutrient waste is like minimal. They like try to do everything in their power to make it as eco-friendly as possible. So that's something I would support. I would buy shrimp from them mm-hmm. or I could buy shrimp from Key West. They have like Key West pink shrimp um, that are caught locally there. So there are two options there for that. But a lot of like farm salmon, like they show in the documentary, they have some crazy sea lice or something like that's just eating them. <laughs> the it's like pretty gross. Weird. <laughs> gross. <laughs> And I'm sure not every, like, fish farm is like that either. Like, like I was saying, in the United States, a lot of our standards are much higher than international places like that. So mm-hmm. if you want to support farmed seafood, like, do it in the United States. Don't buy it internationally. Um, or just, yeah, don't support those fisheries. And, yeah, just do your research. I mean, honestly, like, that's the, the best solution. I know it takes some work. It takes some time. But mm-hmm. you really care about what you're putting in your body and what you want to do to help the environment like that will help so yeah and you don't want to put like a fish that had sea lice or something hell no and that probably explains why so many people are getting sick i mean that's definitely like a whole nother episode of just what you're consuming and how that links to all these diseases that we have um but okay a lot of things like run off from land into the ocean Mm -hmm. what do you think that ends up in a fish's body and mm-hmm. like you're eating a lot of mercury and like crazy toxins that are not good for humans and they found crazy stuff in fish like yeah just things that w- would kill you probably if you ate too many fish wow i think the mercury content they were seeing like pregnant women aren't supposed to eat tuna because mm-hmm. the mercury content is already too high um they are only supposed to eat tuna like once a week or something that might even be higher now because the mercury just builds up over time in nature too so it's like, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> that is so great. Austin would listen to this podcast um, where the, I don't know what they're called, but I guess like the stage guy or the microphone guy, whoever was in charge of like editing in the back, he would eat tuna for two meals a day, every day. And eventually, obviously, he said he got mercury poisoning because yeah. they were like, dude. Yeah. 
how much like but it's one of those things where especially and of course our generation and the generation after us are all like woke culture so we're all questioning everything trying to research everything but this man was probably like I want to say he was 39 so his generation I would assume like they would probably have tuna every day when they would go to school or whatever you know so it's again like you're saying the researching the educating ourselves because obviously companies aren't going to educate us because then they'd miss out on money exactly mm-hmm. so exactly it's all a gamble mm-hmm. okay well before we end this podcast um thank you so much for all of your information on ocean ocean conservation before we move on to that do you have any plugs you would like to add in any social media of some sort related to the ocean i mean people can follow me on instagram if they want or ask questions i'm always down for that down to help awesome decision so and what um, is your instagram at it's a pirate's life for me yes <laughs> i love it it was so cute when you made it it's still cute i love it okay so if you guys want or have any questions do do not dm me because i will not know the answer i would recommend you dm tanya at it's a pirate's life for me 21 um and you can also follow her if you're in the need of plants Because she has another side venture. Not only is she helping the ocean, she's also helping the planet. Right? (laughs) Kind of. Plants help the planet. Yeah, yeah. She's helping the air. Um, So tell us a little bit about this business venture. What's it called? They're called Botanical Babes. Yes. Botanical Babes, Lord Keys. So, yeah, two of my friends who actually also work at FWC were all marine biologists. Um, We started the company last year during COVID. Kind of just started out as a hobby. Like, I've always really liked tropical things, like, I don't know, going to the beach or, like, rainforest type things or tropic, I don't know, just tropical things in general. Mm -hmm. And so living in South Florida, I started to find really cool, like, tropical plants. And then just being a scientist, you know, I was like, curious about them or I don't know learning like what they were called like their identification names and stuff like that was really interesting to me and then uh one of my friends Erica and I we went business together she uh we went on like a work trip or something and saw a whole bunch of they're called monstera like mm-hmm. those Swiss cheese plants we saw mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them just like on a median in Miami or something <laughs> growing naturally and I was like what look at these like I'd only ever seen like fake ones before at a friend's house or something and I was like, we should get some of those. They're so cute. And so we're Googling, like, how to cut these because we didn't want to just cut the stems and then it's, like, a rose or something, like, or a flower. They would just die in, like, mm-hmm. a vase of water. Mm-hmm. So we're like, how do actually cut them to where they'll live forever and, like, it'll be a whole plant. So we started to do our research and all that, and that's basically what started it. <laughs> I saw it, actually. You guys still- can't see it, but she has a whole garden behind her. I'm actually going to take a picture. Um, and then just add it in. Okay. <laughs> so you're saying you still have the original, like the OG mama plant back there? Yeah. Yeah. And so how many have you made? Oh my God. <laughs> That's huge. Started as like this one little leaf. Started as this. Oh my gosh. And now, yeah, it has all these leaves now. And so is that raised best in, like, that humid Florida climate, I would assume? Yeah. I mean, we've 
sent them like all over the country. Like uh, Taylor, my brother has one he really likes. Um, so they can live anywhere. They're just a, like a hardy house plant pretty much. Um, that's basically what we do. We started, you know, collecting our own house plants yeah. and then got into just selling them to other people. There's like a whole community on Facebook where you can buy and sell house plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got more into like tropical house plants. And now we're kind of dabbling in the rare plant industry. <laughs> so as like scientists, you know, we're like collecting and learning all about how to propagate or like grow these plants from cuttings or pieces of plants. You know, you, you start out buying a little cutting for $5 or something. And then in three months you have a whole plant. Like it's pretty cool. And then we started cutting and selling our own plants. And then we're like, wow, we can actually make money off of this. Right. And good at it and so we like kept doing our research and learning how to grow certain plants especially the rare plants um it's been a little more of a challenge they need a lot of light and humidity which is why for those like greenhouses behind me <laughs> they really like it in there because it's bright and warm and humid so they just thrive in there and then yeah we're really lucky to live here in florida where the climate is nice all the time mm-hmm. for these plants and they love just growing outside like Erica, my business partner, she has a whole greenhouse out in her backyard. Oh, wow. Her plants like I do, but hers are huge because they have a lot more room to grow. And it's really cool just to see them get to their, like, mature form, kind of. Because a lot of times you only see them in, like, a little bitty pot. You know, they're 12 inches tall or something. Hers are, like, four feet tall because they're just growing like crazy. <laughs> and it's cool to see them get mature. And I don't know. It's awesome. So, yeah, we're enjoying having the business and just keeping our plant collections growing. <laughs> I love that. And how many different types of plants would you say you have right now? Different types or like yeah. total number? Um, I guess like different types. Cause you, you mentioned the Montessera, is that how you say it? Montessera. Montessera. Mm-hmm. So like that's one type, right? Yeah. And that, then, yeah. So that's like the genus of them. Gotcha. So that, we have different types. I don't know, maybe 20. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. And then they all just, they you started from one cutting with 20, and now you're just creating families? Sometimes, yeah. You have, I don't know, a few of them I bought as, like, full plants. That's um, awesome. Then, yeah, shipping's more if you, like, bought it from someone in a different state. or mm-hmm. Like, living here in Florida, we can find a lot of these at, like, Home Depot or um, some of the other plant nurseries around here or even, like, growing natively. Like, the plant you showed me earlier, those just grow in Florida like for fun oh how sweet it's crazy they're actually considered invasive because they take over like trees and stuff like oh wow not not good for the environment actually but they're pretty (laughs) they wrap around and snap the trees yeah mother the tree and Mm -hmm. out compete like other plants so pretty crazy that is very crazy that's a whole nother episode as well just trees I'm sure that could be another hour All the nature things. Yes. Well, Tanya, this has been so much fun. I love it. Thank you for having me. Of course. And also plug in where people can find you guys for Botanical Babes if they want to either purchase and or review, look at, DM, talk about it. Where can they find you? On what platform? We sell, yeah, we sell tropical house plants, like rare plants. We're now selling um, different accessories for your plants, like moss poles. Uh, we painted some pots. Yes. I saw them. Soil soil alternatives and things like that. They've also Um, got merch. Yeah, we have merch. Yeah. 
official. <laughs> yeah, so you can find us on Instagram at um, at Botanical Babes FL, and then we're just Botanical Babes Florida Keys on Facebook. Awesome. Well, guys, definitely check them out. And thank you, Tanya, again. I love you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. And love you too. Thank you, everyone, who listened to another episode. I will be back again next week on a different topic. But follow me on Instagram at LizBeauty underscore MUA if you want to talk to me about anything other than what we talked about in this episode. Because <laughs> I won't know the answer. <laughs> Bye!